Boss Uncaged is a weekly podcast that releases the origin stories of business owners and entrepreneurs as they become uncaged trailblazers. In each episode, our hosts, S.A. Grant and guests construct narrative accounts of their collective business journeys and growth strategies. Learn key success habits and how to stay motivated through failure, all while developing a boss uncaged mindset. Break out of your cage and welcome our host, S.A. Grant. Welcome, welcome back to Boston Cage Academy. Today's show is going to be an interesting one. We got a fellow New Yorker on the show today, and, and I've deemed this individual the self-mastery boss. So JV, better known as Javon, the floor is yours. Why don't you tell the people a little bit more about who you are and what are we talking about today? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Let's say, yo, I love the nicknames, man. I might have to take that from you. Use that. Appreciate it. So pretty much who I am, as you mentioned, my name is Javon Wooden, originally from Rochester, New York, coming in by way of Houston, Texas. I am the king of mindset transformation. So what I like to say is with my company, Live Not Low, we help high achievers design a life they don't need a vacation from. And we do that through mindset and perception transformation. So many people struggle with self-confidence, so low self-esteem, um, limiting beliefs, self-doubt. So we just help them change their perception of self so that way they can project that better positive perception outwardly and just get what they want out of life. So, I mean, I mean, with that, I mean, if, you, if you're stepping into, into that particular seat, that particular role, you have to know who the hell you are before you could even actually help someone. So let's talk about you for a minute. Like if you could define yourself in three to five words, what would those words be? I would define myself with resilient, mm -hmm. tenacious, curious, honest, and just unwavering. That would be my five. Hmm. So in addition to that, I mean, I, the fact that you ended it on wavering kind of then leads me to like my next question. Like, you know, you're ex-military and you had the PTSD. Like, let's just talk about that. Cause I mean, obviously with, with, with that particular syndrome comes with depression and all these other things that sure. you had to overcome to become sure. who you are. So let's talk through that journey for a minute. Yeah, man. I always, I always like to say my journey started at 17 really, because at 17 years old, you know, growing up as a poor kid in Rochester, New York from the hood, you know, you see nothing but really poverty, despair, and lifelessness, really, like everybody's walking around, you're looking at eyes and you just see numb, like everybody's numb. Somebody dies, it's just another person dying, another loss, right? So coming from that, I really didn't value myself. I didn't have that sense of confidence or anything like that. So I act as though I was hardened because I felt like that's what I had to do. But deep inside, there was so much missing, man. There was so much anger, right, about what was going on. So I ended up making some bad decisions, got locked up, faced seven years for an assault and robbery charge at 17. Um, and then that time that I was in jail, right in county jail, awaiting my sentencing, uh, my mom and my sister visited me. And I remember that day so vividly, man. Like they came to visit me and just seeing that pain in their face, I had never seen it before. And it really shook me, right? Because here I was, I didn't value myself or love myself. But them, that was my life. That was the only reason why I existed in my eyes. So to see that I hurt them, right, and I took a piece of them, I took their freedom with me because here they are coming up here watching me and visiting me. I had to do something about that. So I went up to that cell and I prayed to God, man, that he, he gave me another chance. And at that time, I made a promise to him. I said, I'm going to make sure I become the servant that you put me on this earth to be. Now, I'm going to be honest. I didn't know what the hell that meant at that time. I just knew that I needed to do something to get out of here. 
And lo and behold, you know, he let me out. I think it was like a month later, right? I was able to get out. The victims never showed. Prosecutors dropped the case. And they gave me another shot. So I graduated school, tried the college thing, couldn't afford it, dropped out of that. And I ended up working two full-time jobs. Just did that for a few years, like four years. Then um, a recruiter used to work with me. He used to work weekends with me at a hospital I worked at. He was like, you know what? You should come down to the recruiting office. I, you know, I'm an Army recruiter, this and that. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to try that because I have to do something. I have to do something to create an opportunity because nothing's coming from me. And I don't want to end up back in jail or dead. Those are the only two options we've seen, right? So I go down there. I do great on the ASVAB, which is the test you take uh, to see where you can place as far as jobs. And I picked IT and lo and behold, I shipped out a couple of months later, went to basic training and basic was where I learned so much about myself because they say, you know, with any muscle, including your heart and your mind, right? You tear it down and build it back up, right? That's what strength is. You go through adversity, then you build yourself back up because you went through that. So I learned that I was a leader. I learned that I, I was actually compassionate. I learned that I wasn't this hardened person, right, doing these dumb things. I learned that I was actually more thoughtful than that. I actually cared what happened to people. Um, and I was able to show that, right? Um, so fast forward, man, I, I was like, yo, people were always telling me, like, what? You're great at motivating. You're great at motivating. You get people going, right? You know exactly what to say to make them go for what they want to believe in themselves. They're like, you should be a motivational speaker. And I was sitting that sounds great, but I don't want to be on stage all damn time, right? Because that's what I thought it was. And then I looked it up. I was actually deployed in 2016. I was deployed to Afghanistan. And I looked up, like, what I could do outside of motivational speaking. Coaching's pops up. Now, at this time, I felt like I had a great handle on who I was, like you said, a self-mastery and all the other stuff. But I found coaching, start living not low while I'm overseas in Afghanistan, go through some coach training, but then November 2016, uh, November 12th over there, which was November 11th here, um, a suicide bomber detonates Veterans Day. We're all lined up for a run. Suicide bomber detonates, takes out some uh, some soldiers, injures, you know, catastrophically some some civilians and other people. And here it was, they had to kick in the high gear. Then and later on in that night, I did a part of the remains cleanup team. That's pretty much what it sounds like you pick up the remains of the people who were injured, wounded, or killed. So I didn't realize how that impacted me though when I was doing it. And when I was picking up those remains, what kept going in my mind, like, no, oh, I'm treating the victims the same way I'm treating the suspect. And it just kept playing in my mind. So six months later, I'm home. I'm home, I say. Six months later, that's when that PTSD started kicking in. I started having the same nightmare every night, every night. I didn't enjoy anything in life. I started having suicidal ideations, right? I called my sister and I'm like, Chandra, you know, this is my older sister. I'm like, Chandra, I'm, I'm going through it. I called her Cece really, but I was like, I'm going through it. I, I'm crying, I'm explaining, I'm, I, you can't even understand what I'm saying. I couldn't even tell you what I said. And then that day I realized I needed help. And that was the first time I ever reached out to anyone for help. Hmm. So it's definitely interesting that, that you said that you reached out for help. Cause I mean, now like the, the roles are reversed, right? I mean, you were in that exactly. before, but now you're on the other side of the coin to where you have people that are reaching out to you for help. So if someone is reaching out for help, right? Like what kind of help are you going to help them with? I mean, and kind of like really dive into this self mastery. Yeah. 
For sure. Um, and the, the reason why that story is um, everything leading up to what I just said was important, because getting that help, it showed me how important it was to be vulnerable. Right. I learned that vulnerability is actually strength. Right. We, we use the term self-confidence, self this, self-esteem and all that. But there's a part in it where you still need support. Right. You need support in order to really unlock who you are and the power that you have. So what I learned in that time with getting that help was one, there was no one that looked like me, right? Really, I couldn't find them. So I know representation is very important because I was very skeptical when I went to speak to this um, older middle-aged white woman about what was going on in my life leading up through coming up where I came from, right? Because I felt like she maybe could be sympathetic, but not empathetic, right? So that was one of the things I learned. And then I learned like self-mastery is an accumulation of things, right? It's an umbrella of a lot of different things. And one of the things was emotional intelligence. I could not control my emotions, <laughs> right? I learned that in that moment. I was not in control of my emotions, man. I was a hothead, right? I was really in pain. I was finding trauma bonds. I was, you know, doing, drinking heavily. I couldn't control myself. And that was just manifesting in so many different ways within my life. So fast forward, like once I got the help, I started learning so many different mechanisms to realize what my triggers were, you know, how I can control these things and how I could help others. So what I do now as a coach is the same thing I did for myself, right? I learned how to forgive myself, which was the first, first thing you had to do, right? You have to forgive yourself in order to move from where you were, whatever you did to be in the moment so now you can move forward, right? Because the mindfulness, being present where you are now is very important if you are to move forward. So that was one of the things I learned. And then the second thing I learned was the support system, right? Being a coach, one of the main things that I'm responsible for is accountability, but it's not in a judgmental way. A lot of us, you know, when we go to somebody, we're like, man, they might use that on us later, but I don't want to talk to this person because they might put that out there if I become famous, whatever happens, right? That's, that goes on in our minds, these what-if scenarios. So I always say I help people um, get to where they are and really acknowledge themselves, get that self-awareness, that self-control uh, without judgment or guilt. Right? So they can share, they feel like they can share and express things. And I'm just asking powerful questions. I'm asking questions to help you dig deeper, right? To help you do that self-assessment, say, you know what? I thought that was the root cause of what was going on, but it's not. <laughs> There's a lot more to it. You know, here I was, I was ignoring the fact that I had this trauma happen to me. And that's the reason why this, 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 and this is happening, right? My self-esteem is not what I thought it was. So that's a real big part of what I do as a coach is really getting people to have that, that introspection, right? Because in order to master yourself, you have to learn yourself in ways you never once thought was possible. Mm. Uh, there's a book by uh, Think Not On, and he talks about uh, fear. Right? He's talking about how fear impacts us. And one of the things I learned was you can use fear in two ways. Right? We talk about the fight or flight response. Fear can either stifle you or fear can motivate you and propel you forward. And what I like to do is change my client's relationship with fear. Because a lot of us, we retreat or we try to put up that defense, that defensive wall. Well, I always tell them, like, the best thing you can do is face that fear head on. Right. Start small. Just give them small tasks just to just to make them a little uncomfortable so they can grow that comfort zone. Right. Because you can only grow in discomfort. So 
having them do these little things, checking off action steps, creating that plan of action for success is really what we go into. And uh, we can go in more of that too. Yeah. So, I mean, just taking apart what you said, and it's something like, you know, obviously being from New York, growing up in Brooklyn, like the whole fight or fight thing is real. Like either you, mm-hmm. you scrapping or you're running. It's, it's either one or the other, right? So growing up right. in that environment and understanding that eventually you stop running and you start turning around, you start fighting back. And for you to be kind of overseas and you're saying you're going through this, this debate between picking up the remains of innocent people and people that actually committed the crime. My mm-hmm. next question is like, so taking all that, right? And I'm not saying it's baggage. You're taking all this influence from your life growing up and until where you are right now, what is the worst case scenario that you dealt with with a client now keep in mind you've dealt with body parts you dealt with growing up in the hood what's the worst case you've dealt with a client the worst case really is you know it's not the external stuff Hmm. right it's the internal fights that's the worst right when when i have clients who you know like i said i'm not a therapist right and i always recommend like if you have mental illnesses you should go see a therapist right i'm not uh, board certified or anything like that. But I always say, like, you can tell when someone is struggling with that internal battle, right? Some, I've had clients who had, like, trauma. They were, like, you know, sexually assaulted or anything like that that's taking place in their lives. And it has really, really wrecked their lives up until the point, up until they came to me and said, you know what? I can't do this anymore, right? I'm ready to just end it. I'm ready to end it all because, um, you know, I'm just destroying myself. Like I can't have a relationship. I can't, you know, whatever is going on, right. They can't have any success in their lives for a prolonged period because they Mm self-sabotage because at some point you stop, you start feeling like you're undeserving of everything good in your life. And what happens when that occurs is now you start doing things in order to confirm that, Mm -hmm. right. You confirm your beliefs. That's why they say your thoughts become things, right. Because, you have a confirmation bias. You're going to start doing all these things. And that's the worst case I've seen. The worst case I've seen was someone who had, you know, beautiful things taking place in their life, but they lost it all because they never addressed the trauma that took place when they were younger. So let's dive into a little bit deeper. So let's say we're that individual and we're so stuck in the, not the mundane, but we're stuck in the day-to-day weight of the world that, that, we can't figure out how to get out of it. So you coming in as essentially a coach, like what steps and procedures are you then going to help me to then move forward? Yeah, for sure. So the thing about being a coach is, you know, everyone's unique, right? Everyone's unique, but the problems we have are not, Hmm. right? So the first step is always finding the underlying problem, right? And I always say, like, when someone comes to me, like, we have to be real honest with each other. That's the first thing we're going to establish is that honesty. So what I have them do is I have them do a couple of exercises. I have them do a values assessment to understand what really matters to them in life. I have them do um, what I call a clean sweep where we score and rank like where they are in their lives in different aspects. So it could be money, relationships, physical space, you know, career. There's different things that you do an assessment. And then I have them do a personality test. Right. And those three things are what I use to build our, our baseline. So with that baseline, now I know how to coach them. Right. I use something called the Enneagram, which gives you like different scores, one through uh, nine. So then what we do is I ask them what came up for them. 
right? What was the issue? Because usually there's some questions that take place that they just struggle with. In my welcome packet, I also have questions. And the reason why I'm having them doing all this work before we even get to the first session is because I want them to come in there with that, with that feeling, like knowing that, okay, now I've discovered something about myself because that's the first start. The first start is doing that deeper dive. And then after we do that, like I said, we work on forgiving ourselves for whatever that issue was and forgiving others, right? Because if you never forgive others, then they're going to have that power over you too, right? because you keep going back. And then other people that you meet are also being judged by whatever that other person did, right? We see that all the time. So forgiving is a key part. Then I ask them to identify their support system. Could be one person for now, but identify a support system so that way as they're going through this journey, they have someone that they can count on and lean on when they're not feeling as strong as they, they need to be to go through the change. And another thing I do, oh, go ahead, brother. No, no, I'm just, I'm just listening to you and and, okay. and and hearing like how insightful you are with, with like your layering of your strategies and your progression, right? So mm -hmm. obviously I, I don't think this came through osmosis. I don't think, you know, you right. left the military and it just popped into your head and you started to come up with these systems. So like, like on topic, off topic, I want to talk about like, like what kind of certifications that got you to where you are right now to understand what you're doing so well. Right. Thanks, man. Well, one of the things was just going through it myself. Right. Going through that healing process myself gives me the intuition to do this and to build this program. And then um, I really feel I'm a strong believer in educating myself and doing it, getting the proper search and everything, even though coaching is not a regular field. So I did um, I have a certified mindset coaching uh, program. I'm doing a coaching program now, which is a, it's an organization called ICF, uh, International Coaching Federation. So it's International Coaching Federation certified. Um, I've done what you call International Coach Academy which is like a, a six-month program and you have to get peer coach and you have to coach other coaches. So that helps you like learn how to listen actively, how to be patient, how to give the uh, person space to really think and all that stuff. Um, and then how to come into a coaching session with a blank slate. Uh, so you just go through all these different programs um, and then I'm an empowered lifestyle coach. So what that means is, uh, you know, pretty much what it says, it's like giving people the joy back in their life. Well, that's definitely, definitely interesting. So, and I'm thinking of duration of time. So like it could be someone listening to, to this podcast right now and they could be pretty early on in their career and they're hearing you speaking. Maybe you're convincing them to like jump on the bandwagon to follow in your footsteps. So my next question is like the longevity, like the time frame. like how long did it take you to get from, let's say, leaving the military to where you are mm -hmm. right now? I mean, it took me a while, man. It took me, <laughs> like, you know, there's, there, I'm going to be honest, there's coaches popping up every day, right? And like I said, it's not a regulated field. So people pop up, I'm a business coach, I'm a this coach, I'm a that coach. But for me, like I said, in 2017, I started this. I completely stopped doing coaching. I completely stopped doing coaching up until the end of last year. And I did that because I didn't feel like I was in a space to serve with the energy. This is an energy and a hard work field because you really have to love care and show empathy to your clients in order to make a change in their lives because people can feel your energy right if i'm off one day and, and i'm not serving that person that could be the difference between their success and their demise hmm. right so i have to be very conscious of that so when when i tell people to do this i always say do it the right way hmm. right make sure you don't have to have your house completely in order right no one's perfect but if you're going to sit here and ask people to share what they uh, are sharing with you because they're going deep 
you need to be transparent too, right? People need to see that you don't have it all together either. You're human, right? But they can depend on you because you're showing your vulnerability and you're being honest with them. So now they can be honest with you because it's all about building that rapport, right? You have to build rapport with people because if you're not walking that walk that you're talking, then no one's going to want to work with you. So that's my, my thing. Like be who you are, be authentic. Because if you're trying to serve in a place like this, in the coaching space, you're not authentic, you're not going to last very long. Like, people are going to pick up on that. That's definitely sweet. It sounds like you're talking from, from obviously, like, life lessons. So sure. going back to, like, you know, alternate realities, right? And then let's say <laughs> in a parallel world, some way, somehow, you can kind of go back in time. And let's say you have 30 seconds of a window to intervene mm. in something that's happened in your life. When would you go back and what would you change? Ooh, that's a great question, man. Let's say you ooh, let me see. Let me think about this one for a second. 30 seconds. 30 what seconds. What would I change? Hmm. You know what? I hate to sound cliche, but I feel like every second of my life was meant to happen the way it did. Hmm. Like when I look back, if anything changed, if I changed the fact that my dad wasn't there. If I changed the fact that I grew up in a polygamous household, if I changed anything that happened to me, it would have changed who I am today and I might not be in front of you right now. Hmm. It's definitely, definitely powerful. And, and I mean, and, and again, I'm always listening to, to what, what my guests are saying. So did you just say a polygamous household? Yeah. <laughs> so up, My mom was wife number two of two, man. Interesting. My mom was wife number two of two. So correct me if I'm wrong, within polygamy, Usually there is a strong structure with entrepreneurism because they're in polygamy. So are any of your background or upbringing that you could relate back to or any of them entrepreneurs? No, no, <laughs> not at all, man. My mom made less than $10,000 a year. We actually grew up on food stamps um, and her husband, uh, of course, is not really her husband because legally you can't marry two people in this country. But um, he he was a bus driver, right? <laughs> Even and he had a, another wife and two kids on the other side of the city. I grew up on the east side of Rochester. He had another wife and two kids on the west side. Um, but no one was an entrepreneur, and we were just scraping by, man. Hmm. So do do you think growing up in that environment has any cause to affect with where you are right now? For sure, it it, it gave me a hunger. Like, I'm always hungry, right? It gave me a hunger, and also it gave me a different perspective. Mm -hmm. Because knowing how it feels to feel helpless and hopeless, right, it, it makes me want to be there for people in a different way, mm -hmm. right? It makes me want to not just lift my people, but lift everyone because 85% of people struggle with self-esteem at some point in their lives. And what does that lead to? That leads to bullying. That leads to people dying. That leads to a scarcity mindset people taking other people's stuff that leads to all the stuff we're seeing because everyone feels like success is a finite possibility. They feel like it's only meant for this certain piece of people, like this certain group. But I, I like to spread that it's not right. If we collaborate instead of trying to cut each other's heads off, we could get so much further, right? We can get so much further. our, our powers amplified. 
And that's why, like, even on my platforms, I'm collaborating with people. I just reach out to people like, hey, you know, you want to do an IG live together? You want to do a, a YouTube episode together? You want to do a podcast? Right. So that's how I, I operate, man. That's what that's what that growing up in that environment did, because back then we didn't collaborate. We kept everything close to the vest. You may have your few one or two homies. You may have your crew. And that's it. Right. That's the only people you rocking with. Right. So that really it really as I grew up, I learned so much about how wrong that was. Right. How wrong. So I want to do things right now. Wow. So when you when you're saying that essentially it was wrong and you want to do things right now, like again, and again, I, I like this type of conversation because we can kind of really deep dive and, and, and talk about strategies, talk about business, but also talk about pers- personal as well, too. Sure. So sure. what you saying? OK, my next question is based upon like your current lifestyle. Right. Mm-hmm. Are you married? Do you have kids? I'm not married. I'm, I'm dating. I have a, a significant other. Uh, no kids. Okay. So how does the way you grew up and the way you're living now, like how do you currently like juggle like your work life with your family life? Yeah. Well, first one, one point, man, that you brought up, I'm just going to touch on it real quick is, you know, I had to learn how to love, like, because I grew up in that polygamous, like it was just a business to me. Like, Oh man, love is not, doesn't exist. It's just like really marriage and all that other stuff is bull. That's how I thought right in my mind. So I went through a lot of hurting people, (laughs) <laughs> right. In order to get to the point I'm at now. And that came, you know, after all the help that I received. Right. So that I think that's an important point to make. Like I didn't just pop up and be like, yeah, I got this you know, beautiful life and all this stuff. It was a process and it's still ongoing. Mm-hmm. Um, but as, as far as like, um, wait, ask your question again. I'm sorry. One more question. One more so time, please. To, to summarize it, I mean, like currently how like, being that you had this historical things going on with your personal mm-hmm. life and now you have your own personal life and you have work as well. How are you yep. managing and juggling, like not to say there's past baggage, but there's past memories, there's current things that you're growing into and you're also juggling right. work as well. So how are you managing both these two different lives? Oh man. Uh, that's a, that's another great question. I manage it. I pretty much see it as one really, man. I, I, I'm very regimented about what I do. So I created what I call my power hour in the mornings. Mm-hmm. So I get my time to myself, my meditation, um, my, my thoughts, clear my thoughts. I plan like a lot of the important things in my day. So if I have like a, a podcast interview, a coaching call, any of that, that's what I consider an important meeting, right? So I schedule that on my calendar before anything else can get on. And things are just built around that, right? There's very few spots in my day um, if I know I'm trying to do what I call revenue generating activities mm-hmm. and revenue could be time or money, whatever it is that's important to me, I, I make sure I plan that. And then if there's space in the middle for me to like chill or, you know, do whatever, and me and my lady will go for a walk with the dogs, you know, we'll go grab something to eat together and we'll just sit and put our phones and stuff to the side and we'll just converse. Right. And then when it comes to other relationships, I used to be terrible at contacting my friends and my family. Terrible, man. I will go weeks, <laughs> weeks or months sometimes with, without contacting people I love. And then I was like, you know what? I got to reverse that thinking. So I started being very intentional. I started scheduling that too. Like, yo, call a family. And I just, like, anything that matters to me, I'll, I'll schedule it, man, because I know time is a, is a construct that can get away from you sometimes. Right. So you get involved. So I really, I really, I'm, I'm intentional about most of the things I do and intentional about how I spend my time. Hmm. 
So, I mean, you brought up like the power hour and I, and I think that's a, a good time for you where you kind of create a lot of content as well. And it seems like yes. you have a lot of running and you do a lot of TikTok videos in the morning. Yeah, man. So well, let's talk about like, like your, your physical side. I mean, obviously you have your mental game, you, you, you have things that you're going on, you're strategizing all the time, but in your physical aspects, I mean, like what does your morning like regiment look like? Yeah, for sure. So I, I get some type of movement in every day. Right. So I might go for a run. Um, I have a lot of physical ailments just from my time in the military. So I've been doing like Pilates. I've been doing yoga, all these things just to get myself back right. And now I'm finally to a point where I can run again. So you see me running and all that stuff. Um, I'll do like weights, calisthenics, plyo. I do that three times a week. Um, and I usually do that um, around seven, seven in the morning, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And then the other days I'll do plyo, yoga, um, some type of stretching or, or cardio. Um, just because I feel like it's very important. I think there's a triad there, right? So your mind, your body, and your spirit all need to be aligned. And I call that recentering. That's my time to recenter. So no matter what happened the day prior, no matter if I was, you know, upset with something, no matter if things didn't go my way, that's my chance to reset and really refocus on what's going on. Nice, nice. So, I mean, I, I, it was funny because I was actually about your morning routines and I, and I thought you were going to say something that you didn't bring up that's that's like, you know, listed in your bio. So I'm just going to just jump into that next question. I mean, being that you're an avid reader, I want to know mm -hmm. what kind of books kind of motivated you on your journey to get to where you are currently. Yeah, that's a good, that happens early, early. So I usually wake up right like 530. So you're right, the reading, that's what I do right now. I'm reading uh, this book. So I read a lot of like self-help. This one is called The Six Pillars of Self-Esteem by Nathaniel Brandon. And I'm all about this, just educating one on psychology, on philosophy, um, because that's that's my field on what self-esteem is, how it can be impacted, um, all that stuff that deals with mindset, um, personal empowerment, personal development. I'm really into it. I'm even now like looking into getting my doctorate in human behavior just because I feel like I'm so curious about this stuff, man. And like you can learn, you know, a lot by yourself. But for me, like that structure, education of going and get that degree just makes it so I can focus in on one thing and like learn very deeply on that. Because I really want to serve everyone like some some key information that may not be getting hit in our communities as much as it should be. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you, you, you brought up a, a really solid point and, and I've had this debate on this show probably a, a dozen times and, and outside mm -hmm. with friends as well, too. It's kind of like, you know, learning through real world examples or learning through paid education or somewhere yeah. in the middle, like, you know, hiring a coach to kind of help you get through your next hurdle or your next um, monetary goal. So what you're saying is so you're somewhere in the middle, right? I would think, because again, you, you want the, like the general education, but at the same time you have certificates and you've proven yourself to take many courses as well. So where do you, are you sure, more 50, 50? Are you 25, 75? Where, where do you sit? Man, I'll be honest. I just realized my, my background is blurred, but that, this will tell you where I sit, man. I, I, I'm an avid, uh, I love getting education, formal education. And I'm going to tell you why. It's not for the reason a lot of people think. People say it's a waste of time, a waste of money, a waste of resources, a waste of everything. I, I disagree because the reason why I go for it is because at one point I felt like it was unattainable, right? At one point I felt like I could never get the master's degree. I could never even get a bachelor's degree. I struggled for so long to get it, man. And that's why I'm like, yo, I, I believe this changes your thinking in a different way. Mm. Not to mention, do you get a different network of people and all these other things and it opens you up to different access of 
things you wouldn't even think of. Like these schools, I can contact them now, their business center. And they'd be like, oh yeah, we might have these, this, this group of people who, who can hire you and all that stuff in their company. So it gives you access to that. But it, for me, it was more of a personal reason. It was a goal of mine to, to finish what I started and get something that was unattainable. And I feel like, you know, with more and more people not going to school, formal education, it, it changes that, right? Like, it's like, it's, it's like you know, some, some fields, you need this. You absolutely yeah. need this. And with the, the language of, like, school is a waste of money and time, everyone's saying they're an entrepreneur, and that's just not the case, right? Everyone can't be an entrepreneur because who's doing the work for these companies? Correct. That's, that's one. But I, I just look at it as a different way. I think you have to have that balance. Formal education brings something different. And then the, the street smarts or educating yourself or the YouTube university and all that other stuff brings a different perspective. Because when you self-educate, it's from your lens, usually. Right? It's from your lens. So that's why I believe the formal education kicks in or hiring someone else, paying for a course. You get a different perspective on things. Mm-hmm. And I think for your field, right, and earlier on you saying that you're not necessarily a therapist, but it seems mm-hmm. that you think like a therapist. And by thinking mm-hmm. like that, by default, you're going into more of the medical side. And if you're going to get education, by all means, you want an educated lawyer and you want an educated yes. medical person. Everything yes. else is a little bit of gray space. But when yep. it comes to those two, it's kind of like it's a no brainer. You're going to have to get the no brainer. Right. So, right. For sense. sure. For sure. So my next question is just going back to the books. I mean, obviously you're an author as well. So let's talk about some of the books yes, you've sir. had an opportunity to write and author. Yeah, man. So this is Own Your Kingdom. This was my first book. Um, and this is a lot of what I st- talked about earlier, forgiving yourself, vulnerability and strength and all that is, is in this book. It helps you create an action plan for success. And it's not just a book to read, right? There's a workbook that you download and you actually go through the exercises that I mentioned throughout this book in order to really get that, that intro, introspection that I was talking about, right? So a lot of people say that, that the workbook had them asking questions to themselves like, oh, shoot, you know what? <laughs> I need to do some work. Yeah. So that's a great book. That's, that's one of my, I'm proud of that one, right? And then this one is a collaboration book. It's called All Gas, No Breaks. Yeah. And this one is 10 of us who wrote and we're all entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. And the perspective that we wrote, this was from where we came from, what obstacles we faced, how do we get over them in order to become successful in our space now? Um, so that's a good book for people who may be stuck. Maybe they want to start a business. They just don't know what's going on or how to get over what, what they you know were stuck on. That's a good book for them. Definitely interesting. So, I mean, with all this collective information and data and uh, essentially it's like you're farming yourself, right? Where do you right. see yourself in 20 years from now? <laughs> man, 20 years from now, man, I, I have big dreams, man. I want to be on like a Tony Robbins level, mm-hmm. right? Where I'm I'm doing it for for the, the black and brown people, you know, where we up there and I, I have people really believing in themselves. We're changing communities. We're changing the generational everything they say that's generational, the traumas and, the, and all that other stuff, right? Because right now, we're at the best place in our lives. That We, we, we were born in the best time. Right? We have education at our fingertips, like we were talking about earlier. You can Google something and in milliseconds, you have the answer that you were searching for, right? So there's really no reason why we should be down anymore, right? We have the power, right? We have the power to change that, and that's what I want to do. I want to be like the Tony Robbins, well, the Javon Wooden of our people, you know, where I'm, I'm just empowering everyone all around the world. 
Nice, nice. It's funny that you brought up Tony Robbins, and I think Tony Robbins is, is if people don't really realize it, they listen to Tony, but Tony is a hell of a psychologist by, by like yes. by default. Like, like if you ever watch him come on stage, the way he sets everything up, even to, when he claps his hand, it's kind of like you're being cued to do something next. And I think people don't even realize it. Like this, yeah. dude is such a scientist when he, when he when he gets on that stage is ridiculous. But it took yes, years of is. him studying the art to be able to do what he does on that scale. For sure. And, you know, he's he's always working to progress in his craft, right? Is is at that level, you never stop learning, right? If you come to the thing, you look at the Les Browns, you look at the Lisa Nichols, they are still, they still have speaking coaches. They still have people who are at the next level that they're trying to hit because they're purpose-driven, right? And they know that as they go higher, there's still more for them to learn. So that's that's the beauty in this, man. You This is, you know, speaking, coaching, any of that, it is what you want it to be truly yeah. right and so i sit at this desk and when i'm working like even on my worst days even when i'm feeling tired even when i'm like man i don't really have energy i have my why i post things in front of me that remind me why i'm doing it and that just energizes me i might look at a testimonial from one of my clients and that drives me right so these people you're talking about tony robbins he does this he can stop whenever he wants but he does this stuff out of love now Right. This is truly his purpose and his passion. So that's that's what I want to be. Man. I want to get to that level where I'm changing lives and just enjoying doing it. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think you got the energy level for it. And I definitely, you know, see yeah. you going down that path. So appreciate um, that, talking about like some technology. Right. So obviously in your space, people may not think there's any technology involved with it. But but ideally, systematically, you're doing things routinely with all your clients. So what software do sure. you use on a day to day that you would not be able to do what you're doing without having access to? Yeah, I'm, this is a great question because I'm all about automation and systems. I come from a cybersecurity background, IT background. So, you know, I love my gadgets. So I use like Zapier to tie in integrations of things that may not natively connect. I use Cadently for my, my scheduling software. I use Typeform to make sure I'm getting like applications and stuff filled out, any surveys. Uh, of course, I use the Google Suite, uh, just make sure like all my clients, they get a folder that they're, they're able to access any recordings of their sessions, notes, uh, all that stuff, exercises that I upload for them, they're all in Google Suite. Uh, HoneyBook, I use that for my contracts and to send proposals to the clients so they can just go ahead and log in there. They have their own client portal. So I use a lot of things on the back end, Zoom, right, for, for the meetings, Zoom webinar and all that stuff. It's a lot of software on the back end, man, to make it seamless. Uh, Stripe, Square, all the stuff for payments, all the payment platforms. So yeah, it's a, it's a lot, man. <laughs> I love it. And then for like, if you talk about like YouTube videos and all that stuff, I got Ecamm and Restream that I use for that. Just a blast. Restream allows me to blast my live streams for LinkedIn, Facebook, um, and uh, YouTube. So it's, it's a lot going on, man. It's a lot. Yes, I appreciate you. I'm sure you. I'm sure you knew use a lot too, huh? <laughs> you you want to get me started on on my out of my. It's it's, it's funny because when I'm on the phone and having conference calls, a lot of times people ask me for a particular software, and I'd be like, "Wait one second, let me go and pull up like this ten thousand long Excel spreadsheet and try to figure right. out the software that you can use for that." So yeah, you know, yeah, I'm sure I missed a few because I, I got the same thing. I try to keep track because you know you get, you got to pay for all this stuff, yeah. you know. So I'm like, I got to keep track of it. Up. 
Yes. So it's funny that you brought up Zapier, man. I remember if you're not familiar with AppSumo, AppSumo is a, is a lifetime deal platform. And anyone that knows me is like, I say lifetime, lifetime, like a million damn times because it's like I, I'm a big supporter of that. Yeah. It, it kind of sucks that I missed that bandwagon with Zapier because Zapier started off on AppSumo, believe it or not, with a lifetime oh, deal. Oh, man. So imagine wow. having access to that before what it is right now, paying that monthly recurring premium. Ooh, that would have been a game, man. You know how much money I would be saving? <laughs> Yeah, because <laughs> it's like it's you you need that like it's yeah. so it's so important to have it like mm-hmm. you have all these softwares man everything's not going to natively connect they do so not Zapier is it, it is it's a game changer for sure yeah and i think most people don't realize that i mean like like api if i was to get a tattoo i'd probably get api like as a tattoo <laughs> if, if you're not if the systems are not communicating it integrating <laughs> You gotta make you gotta figure out what's the API connection or the webhook to make it work. I mean, right. No, that's true though. That's true. <laughs> so iframe or something, huh? Something, man. So um just to talk about like your ideal avatar. So I mean, obviously you have all these, these these different segmentations to who you are and your personality. So it leaves you very flexible to communicate with essentially anyone. But who right. is your ideal person that you work with or would want to work with? Yeah, so when I when I started off, man, I I it was me. Right. I looked at myself and I said, I named him Marcus. Right. My avatar name was Marcus. You know, he was a single guy. He was in his mid 30s, um, had a good paying job. He made about 70K a year. Right. He dressed like I did. He likes to wear hard bottoms, but then he can switch up to the J's, that type of person. But they're high achievers. Right. And a high achiever who really looks like they're doing fantastic externally, but internally, they're still struggling. Right. They're still going through it. Right. At night, he probably sits by himself, cries because, you know, he never addressed his trauma. He's having issues in his relationships because he can't communicate properly. He's low in emotional intelligence. Right. That type of person. That's my that's my avatar. Now, I just focus on the high achiever aspect um, because that's a lot of, you know, when you're a high achiever, you tend to put a lot of pressure on yourself to perform for others. Right. You have this people pleaser type of personality, even though that may not be what you are wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. You still do that. Right. Because you want to perform. You want to put on. Right. So you may dress a certain way to impress people. You may have certain car, you know, these certain things that you do mm-hmm. right, in order to exude high achievement. Um, and that's the type of people uh, I like to work with because they're all about like uh, improvement. <laughs> but the one aspect they haven't worked on as much as they needed to was the internal aspect okay so let's just take just take the next like 60 seconds to, to, to maybe 120 seconds to talk to that person it's a high achieving person like you saying that maybe they're very successful but at night they probably cry themselves to sleep because maybe mm-hmm. they think they're not achieving enough so what words of wisdom or insight would you want to give to that person to let them know that there, there's a better way word thank you for this time so the first thing i want that high achiever to understand is your worth is not tied to material possessions, right? And one of the things that we have to understand is that happiness comes from the inside, right? No matter how much money you have, no matter how many friends, how many followers you have, that is not going to create happiness. So we have to do the work within in order for you to truly get that joy back in your life. You can't buy that joy, right? You have to do the work. And I would say you need a support system. Every hero needs a guy. Donald Miller once said that, and it's so true, right? Every great player had a coach. So we all need to understand that we need people. 
as as humans we need people we need someone to help us get to those next levels in life and it all starts from within this is where everyone is at church and everyone stands up and starts jumping around saying testify because i mean like <laughs> what you said it, it, was, it was a hell of a nugget and a jewel because again we're talking to people that are highly effective highly highly motivated individuals but to your point that you said which is very seriously true is that every single person that made it to a particular level and i could either, even like thinking about games like michael jordan had a coach right right thinking about um like let's say bill gates coach right every behind every champion there is someone pointing them in that right direction so sure. how does someone if they listening to you right now and they're like, this dude, this is my guy. I want to reach out to this guy. I'm feeling his vibe. He has what I need. He has the insight. He has the information and he can guide me in the right direction. How do they find you? Search live, not loathe on all platforms. That's L I V E N O T L O A T H E. I'm active on social media everywhere. You can find me on Facebook, LinkedIn, um, Instagram, TikTok, you know, Twitter, Name it, Live Not Loathe, or you can go to my website, livenotloathe.com. Let's talk about that name for a minute. Like, so like, why, why did you select? I mean, there's so many different variables of what you do. Why did you make those three words your phrase? Yeah, man. Um, and the reason why, like you said, there's so many variables, but it all comes down to perspective, right? So loathe, loathing is when you just look at something and you just dislike it seriously, right? You're going through life and you just have no joy, like I spoke of before. You're doing the same mundane task. You wake up and you're just dreading everything that life is going to bring to you, right? And that's what I wanna get people to stop doing. And that's why I put live, not load, because I wanna flip that on its head. I want people to not just be alive as in breath in their body. I want them to actually enjoy what they're doing in life. I want them to find their habits, regain that joy. I want them to regain that purpose. And if they never had it, to find it. And that's the reason why I named it Live Not Loathe. Wow. Interesting. So, I mean, with that, I got a couple of bonus questions for you. For sure. Let's and this go. is like one of my favorite bonus questions because I know I'm talking to someone that, that's really big into like the psyche, right? So if you could be a superhero, who would it be? And why? Oh, <laughs> you said psyche, and you know, Professor X is my guy. That's my dude, man. And I, I love what he does because he doesn't use his power to hurt, right? He could, he could literally destroy damn near everybody on Earth, mm -hmm. but he uses it to find people's gifts. And I think that's so key, mm -hmm. right? The people who were trying to suppress their light, the people who had these extraordinary talents. Who didn't want to use them he brings that out of them and shows them that it's okay to be different mm. right and he says it's great to be unique let's use that to be more powerful and that's why i choose him because that's what i want to do nice nice it's funny that you bring up um professor x of all the people and people that that know me that have known me for a while like my original company it was called cerebral which kind of goes Ooh, the, the machine <laughs> yeah which, i used so, to play marvel comics back in the day man where you got to roll the dice and you, you make characters and all that stuff i yep. don't know if you knew about that one yeah yeah definitely yeah so i got a couple other bonus questions for you i mean stemming off of like you know being professor x right professor x himself had tons of achievements and if i was to ask professor x what is his greatest achievement what would he say in your case what would you say 
I would say it's the achievements of the X-Men, right? Of the, the people I've worked with, right? The people who have recognized their gifts and are using it and impacting the world. I think that's the greatest gift you can have. Nice, nice. So I got one last bonus question for you. And this is like my signature question. I love asking this question because again, I have no idea what the hell you're going to say based <laughs> on this question, right? So if you could spend 24 hours with anyone, dead or alive, uninterrupted for those 24 hours, who would it be and why? Oh, I love that. I love that question, man. And I think I'm going to go back to my guy, um, Think Not On. He just passed, mm. um, so I wouldn't have a chance to speak with him. And, I, and the reason why is because he's he was super enlightened, man. And he talks about, um, as I say, he talked about fear, but he talked about so much more. And he talked about the power of compassion. Right? I learned so much just from reading his books. So I would love to go in and learn, like, what got him to that point? where he wants to become a monk. What, how did he learn so much about this compassion? How did he learn about the power of harnessing fear and becoming fearless mm. through mindfulness and all these things? And he just intrigues me so much. So let me think that. Nice, nice. Yeah, I definitely think, I mean, out of everything that you said, I mean, the reoccurring concept that you keep reiterating is overcoming fear. And, and again, for any entrepreneur or business owner that's particularly in any struggle or any aspect of their life, fear is always going to be a factor. And to your point, some of them could be highly successful and then that fear becomes more baggage and at night they're crying or some of them could use that fear and fuel them to move forward. So I just wanted to say, first and foremost, thank you for, for being on the show and, and bringing that into the limelight. And then lastly, going into closing, what I like to do is as I'm interviewing you, I would like to see what would you be like interviewing me? If you became the host of the Boston Cage podcast, what questions would you have for me? That would be dope, man, because you're doing some great things on this show. I don't know. We might have to switch it up. But now nah, I, I, it's been an honor, man, honor and a privilege to be on here. Um, and I, if I was interviewing you, I think that I would feed off your energy. You have great energy, first and foremost, very, very intelligent king. Um, and I think I will focus on why, like, what's your why? What drives you? What motivates you? What started you down this path? You know, what really, how did you harness the energy? What did you go through? Right? I want to know all that stuff because for you to be on this side and start something like a podcast and stick with it through the times when no one was listening to grow it to something where a lot of people are listening across the world. Right. You had to have a strong why. I always tell people like you got to find reasons to be great instead of excuses to be mediocre. Yeah. And you had to find some great reasons. I mean, yeah, I mean, I've told this story in so many different versions and variations. But, you know, to kind of summarize it for me right now, it's like literally before I got on this call, I had a call with a, with a close friend of mine that was on this podcast as well, too. And I would just tell her, it's like I'm so consumed by what I want this to become for everyone else. It's not for me. It's like you said, year one, it was like I had a stroke and I was recovering from a stroke and I was like, okay, I need to become more of the front man. So I rebranded myself and rebranded my company. That was year one. Then year two was like started to get traction. I was like, okay, yeah, this is more about legacy and I'm leaving behind for my kids and documenting the strategies of how I'm doing it, why I'm doing it. So when they grow up, then they can utilize this. Then it went from that right. to communicating to entrepreneurs it was like i had so many different people reaching out and communicating i was like, okay it's more not about my family anymore it's including them but it's about all the entrepreneurs the entrepreneurs become my family and i want to inspire and influence and help them on a journey and the best way for me to do that is hear the voices of many that all come through this one portal 
And so mm. now I'm at that point to where you're saying like we're international now, right? We, we interview people across the world. Like, how right. do I scale that? Like, you know, I'm, I'm like pushing and I, I may sound crazy. It's like if there's Martians, I want to have a damn Martian on the show. If there's somebody outside That's of you, up. I want to have that bastard. I want to have as many people as humanly possible to influence them to understand that entrepreneurism is not something that you just do. It's a way of life. And once you it's infuse really that into you, then it becomes the reality that you want it to be much like how this podcast came from nothing into something man i love that i love that and you see that energy that you brought on that instrument that's what i'm talking about so like that is beautifully stated and it cannot be worded any better man like i love that i love the fact that you just were able to convey exactly why <laughs> right what your reasons were and again what is it it's compassion right compassion is at the root of all of that and that's the power of that like if we could all find that compassion within us, we would be accomplishing great things. Everybody would be accomplishing great things like you're doing, right? You stuck with it and you're able to help others through this platform. Like you're doing amazing, amazing work, man. Like I listen to some of your stuff and I'm like, wow, that's why I had reached out to you. But I seen you on, um, on uh, what you call it, a matchmaker. And I was just like, oh, this guy, you know, this guy is doing his thing. And you had the energy every, every episode I listened to. So I'm like, you you definitely gonna achieve that. And if they get podcasts on Mars and all that, I guarantee you yours will be on there, bro. No, For I, sure. I def- no I question. Def- I definitely appreciate that, man. But but again, it was a pleasure having you on the show. And it is always like what you're talking about, being able to reach out and to communicate. Like that's what it's really about. Like using the platforms like Matchmaker and using Facebook. Mm-hmm. Like using it the way we're using it, it was the way it was designed to be used. It's about community and building that community and building trust and building partnerships. Because, again, this is the first time you and I ever had a conversation. Like, we're cold turkey. We're one hour into this relationship. We probably (laughs) had deeper conversations now, one-on-one for this one hour, than potentially with friends and family over the years. 100%. 100%. And that's something. That's why I I mentioned being intentional about relations, man. Because these are conversations that we need to be having. Right. With everyone, with all the people around us. Um, and the one thing about social media is I understand like people have started using it for entertainment purposes. Right? And I get that. That's cool. But I want to challenge every, all the listeners to like really scrub their their uh, social media so it benefits them. Right? Because we're taking in so much negative energy right, from all the crap that we're watching. And we're, we're thinking it's funny. Right. We're so desensitized. Right. We'll see somebody getting jumped. And we're laughing like, oh, man, they, they whooped his butt and all this. Like, that's, that's terrible, right? We have to start thinking about this. Like, there are people on the other end of these videos we're watching and we're becoming desensitized. So I think people really need to start looking at more positive stuff and, and think about why and what they're looking at and, and get that compassion. That's, I think that's where we're starting to really lack that. Like I mentioned compassion. Yeah. We're starting to really lack that because we're desensitized now. Yeah, I mean, I think it goes back to what we're just saying is scrubbing the platform. Like when I got on this journey, it was like, okay, every time I interview someone, I'll go through their profiles and then I'll like and comment or connect to them on profiles. So by default, when I wake up in the morning, I'm not seeing these. I'm seeing, you know, you may be running down the street screaming about motivation. Somebody may be on another video flying somewhere in a, in, a, in a third world country to do something somebody may be building a pool some again i'm i'm in an environment to where everyone is going towards their goals and their achievements right. so when i wake up 3 30 4 o'clock in the morning and i see right. that first thing in the morning i'm like why the hell am i still in my bed like <laughs> let's <laughs> go i gotta do i gotta get up and get at it you know what i'm saying so right 
so change scrubbing your your profiles definitely would change change your outlook for sure definitely yeah man yeah man so definitely and let's make sure we do more of this brother make sure we do more collaboration just let me know how i can be a service to you yeah, yeah definitely man again i appreciate you coming on the show today and, and again do you have any last words that you want to give out to anyone yeah uh i just want people to really believe right believe in themselves uh believe that things can get better believe that the world can be better and believe that positivity is a possibility right no matter what you're going through things can get become positive right where you are is not where you want to be so i just wanted to share that with people well i definitely appreciate that man essay grant over and out Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Boss Uncaged. I hope you got some helpful insight and clarity to the diverse approach on your journey to becoming an Uncaged Trailblazer. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast. If this podcast has helped you or you have any additional questions, reach out and let me know. Email me at ask at sagrant.com or drop me your thoughts via a call or text at 762 732-233- Two three three boss. That's seven six two two three three two six seven seven. I would love to hear from you. Remember to become a boss in cage. You have to release your inner beast. S. A. Grant signing off. Listeners of Boss and Cage are invited to download a free copy of our host S. A. Grant's insightful ebook, Become an Uncaged Trailblazer. Learn how to release your primal success in 15 minutes a day. Download now at www.bossuncaged.com forward slash free book.